Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. He's playing with his money. 
And now you're messing with your money because you might want to smoke a little weed. And <laughs> it's, it's, this is a guy talking about, what, wanting $15 million a year. But you look at him, and it's like, okay, he's probably worth $15 million. Adrian Peterson is the highest paid back at 14. But I'm thinking, wow, dude, this is your second suspension related to drugs. And we don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's marijuana. But here's, here's, you know, Le'Veon Bell knows that he's not allowed to smoke weed, and he smoked it anyway. That's really no getting around that. He's wrong. But in 2016, in the year 2016 where we have situations now, well, not situations, where, where you have various states that, that marijuana is legal. Marijuana is legal in, in various states in the country. Legal. And so, and then you got other country, uh, other parts of the country, other states that allows you to use marijuana for medicinal purposes. And I'm like, okay. With that being said, with with, with that being said, I'm like, at this point, you know, at, at this point, it's like, why do we still test for it? Why? Do we still test for marijuana? I mean, to me, at this point, why do why do you why bother? Why bother? I mean, this is like okay. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the list now. For for recreational use, you got Alaska, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. And then for medical, you got another 24 other states for medical. And I'm like. And there's also a good possibility that at some point 11 more states will recognize recreational use of marijuana. So I'm like, at this point, parts of the country says you can smoke it. I'm like, at this point, why do we bother testing for it? Why? I mean, you got Eugene Monroe, who, who retired today from the National Football League, but you got Eugene Monroe, who's been advocating the use a marijuana for, you know, pain and, and getting through the pain. And, you know, it's probably a lot better. I never touched this stuff before. But it's probably a lot better than those pain pills that they prescribe for you. You know, the, the, those, they're probably a lot better. And here's the thing. Would you rather get addicted to the pain pills? And those are, there is a lot of people out here addicted to pain pills, and life is all messed up because they're addiction to pain pills, all messed up. And I'm like, okay, now there are some people out here, okay, who smoke weed on a consistent and a daily basis. But I don't, you know, I've seen it. I don't see their life jacked up. Again, not as jacked. Well, I mean, it all depends on the person. But I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. Marijuana is probably, not probably, is better for you in terms of, you know, taking away the pain in comparison to some of these pain medicines, some of these opioids out here. So I'm like at this, I'm like at this point, like, dude, let these guys, why bother testing for it? I mean, if it, if it has, 
again, 24 states recognize them for medicinal purposes, and then another 11, I mean another four, is for recreational use. So it's like, come on. What are we doing? Why bother? In 2016, why bother? But again, at the end of the day, it goes for Le'Veon Bell, maybe a larger issue. Maybe he's addicted. And they say you can't get addicted to marijuana, but what do you call this? He knows he's not allowed to smoke it. He knows if he smokes it again and gets caught smoking it, that he's going to get suspended for a period of time. He knows it. So my thing is this. If you know it and you still do it, who's to blame? Can't blame anybody but yourself. Now, again, I'm with you, man. I'm with you, uh, Le'Veon. I don't think you should have to be tested for marijuana. You didn't say it, but I'm just saying it for you. I I don't think you should be. I don't. And and we're going on the assumption that it is, in fact, marijuana. If it's something else, then it's something else. But marijuana in 2016, and, and I think, and it's funny, we, we, we ripped in and laid into Ricky Williams years ago when uh, we talked about his situation with marijuana, and, you know, he's with the Saints and the Dolphins and everything. And it got him suspended, but I'm saying we really roasted him. But if we, look, if we have that conversation now, it's a little different, and we're having the conversation, it's a little different. It's a lot different. If we have this conversation maybe another five to ten years from now, it's probably going to. We probably won't be having this conversation because they probably won't be testing for it. Remember years ago, you know, they used to rip the NBA because the players didn't get tested for marijuana. Now they do. But it's like, okay, why? Why are we bothering? In 2016, why do we bother to test athletes for marijuana? I don't touch this stuff. So it doesn't matter to me. Legal, illegal. I don't touch it. But for those who do, I ain't mad at you. I mean, probably a better way to say, you know, to use your money. You know, it's probably a lot better ways to use your money. So even if you are out there and and, and you're going to work every day and you're not hurting anybody, still a lot of better ways, still a whole lot of better, whole lot. A better way to spend your money than to spend it on marijuana. But again, it is what it is. And Le'Veon Bell's obviously out probably for four games. He's going to be missed. But it's going to hurt his paycheck, maybe. I mean, because again, the dude's, the dude's numbers are ridiculous. I mean, since he came into the league, 119 yards per game from scrimmage. That, that's better than anybody. Anybody. I mean, you're talking about a dude two years ago caught 83 passes for over 800 yards and then and then ran for another 1,300 yards, plus 1,300 yards, over 1,300 yards. So it, it, the dude has a lot to bring to the table. He's a beast. He's a beast. And if, and if the Steelers had him last year, 
Who knows? Maybe the Steelers are Super Bowl champions instead of the, uh, the Broncos. Maybe it's the Steelers. Maybe. But you look at it, and, you know, you look at his numbers, like I said, ridiculous, eye-popping. He's a band. He's a, he's a beast. A beast. An absolute beast. So, he's gone for probably four games, and the Steelers are going to just have to adjust. We'll see how they do it. Sticking in the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott, big time back, a guy that, you know, came to Dallas, and a lot of people were saying, you know, this guy could be a big part of what Dallas is going to do next season, especially with that offensive line in Dallas, especially with his skill set and his ability. Now, reports are he's accused of domestic violence. At this point, he's saying he didn't do it. You know, his, according to his girlfriend, his former living girlfriend, the girl he used to live with, apparently he hit her and assaulted her multiple times over the past week. Again, Elliot denies it. According to the woman, she said that Elliot hit her in, 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 uh, in a parking lot Friday morning. She also said she had pain in her wrist. Now there's there's witnesses there who said they didn't see it. I don't know. Apparently she said she has bruises on her arms. And he's been, what, striking her several times, hitting her several times over a five-day period. Ezekiel Elliott said he's never hit her in a harmful way. And now you got you got his family coming forth now, and they're saying this is his his, his parents, his father, excuse me, Stacy Elliott. The rep, quote the report reported allegations to internet postings regarding our son are completely false. Ezekiel has done nothing wrong. The police have investigated this matter, and eyewitnesses have verified the lack of any wrongdoing. The actual evidence in this matter clearly indicates what the real motivation was behind the police being called. We are confident that when the truth comes to light, it will reveal the falsities of these claims. Ezekiel has been fully cooperative with the police and will continue to do so, along with cooperating with the NFL moving forward. So, there you have it. And the thing about it is that Ezekiel Elliott's jersey, that number 21 jersey, top-selling jersey over the past three months, Tops, well, from April to June, April to June, top-selling jersey. So this guy is coming into the league with instant popularity. And he has an opportunity with the team that he plays for to really, really, really do some serious business with the Dallas Cowboys. He has that opportunity. And the question becomes, what? comes of it? What comes of it? And and here's the thing also, and, and let's be clear, hasn't been charged with anything, just accused. So in terms of what, what's going to happen 
we have to just let it play out. I'm not one of these rush-to-judgment guys. I'm not going to do it. I'm not a rush-to-judgment dude. I'm going to let the because I, I think today, in today's world, it's guilty until proven innocent. Guilty until proven innocent. So, I mean, she did file a police report with the police department in Columbus Police Department in Columbus, Ohio. So, we'll see how this works out for Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, if, in fact, he did hit her and is hitting on her, she's 5'5", 120 pounds. He's 6'2", 225 pounds. Dude's a beast. An absolute beast. So if he's hitting on her, if he's hitting on her, then shame on him. Shame on him, and, you know, that's what? The new policy is six games. So he's going to get his six, and he's going to be going for six if, in fact, you know, he is guilty of these things. But here's also the thing. Sometimes with the NFL, you don't need to be guilty in a court of law. All they need to do is investigate, and if they see what they want to see or see what they need to see, then they can suspend you. The thing was, even with, 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 with Greg Hardy, even though he was convicted by a jury, uh, he got he was convicted, but eventually he appealed, and you know he got a, a, a tr- another trial. The woman did not cooperate. Ultimately, he was able to move on, but he still was suspended. So you still can get suspended. So we'll see how this plays out. And, and, and since we're here, Ray Rice, let's talk about Ray Rice. I look at Ray Rice now, and he's saying that, you know what, I'm willing to come back and I'm willing to donate my whole salary to the domestic violence cause. And we all know what happened to Ray Rice. We've all seen the video. And, and I'm like, at this point, it's been a couple years, and, and I almost think it's time for us to move on. I, I, I think it's time for us, if you have any ill will, any anger towards Ray Rice, it, it's time to move on from it. Reality is, the woman at the time was his fiance. now she's his wife. They're moving on. They moved on. She, they forgive, she's forgiven him, they're together, and they're moving on. So from my standpoint, I think from everybody else's standpoint, it's time to move on. And Ray Rice, by all reports and all accounts, was a good guy before this happened, was known as a good guy, did a lot of work in the community. But that was before. Now, once this went down, it became a whole different situation. And the difference with Ray Rice and a lot of other cases is that we have video. The difference with Greg Hardy and a lot of other cases, we have pictures. But the video is, 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 is that video was, was bad. It was bad. Very bad. But I think at this point, Ray Rice, again, he said he's going to donate his whole salary. He shouldn't have to do that. Maybe he wants to do that. Maybe he's even doing that to say, you know what, maybe he's doing that so somebody will give him another opportunity. Maybe. But I'm like, at this point, dude, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to say you're going to donate your whole salary. It's time for us to to move this on. Is any of us perfect? No. 
do, 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 have we all done bad things in our life? Yes. Again, it's not excusable to hit a woman. Never. As a man. Especially a football player. You, this is a dude that's running through 300-pound dudes. 250-pound linebackers. The dude running through these guys. He can't be hitting on women. But the reality is this. I just think at this point in our society, sometimes I feel like we throw people away and don't ever want to bring them back. Just throw them away. We're done with you. But never want to talk second chances. Michael Vick, again, we want to throw him away. No, he got his chance. But there's a lot of people out here who said, let's not give him another opportunity. Throw him away. And to me, I can't just throw people away like that because we're people. We're human. We make mistakes. Some mistakes are worse than others. And while I'm here, I'm going to go to the Michael Vick uh, documentary. I was watching it last night, two nights ago. And it was good. But it was you, you saw a guy that who got caught up. You saw a guy that and here's the thing. It's also, like, it's funny how various people, you know, where you grow up, who you grow up with, so on and so forth. It's different around the country. And, you know, Aaron Brooks was on there, Michael Vick's cousin, played for the New Orleans Saints. He was saying, you know, dog fighting was a thing that they did down there. Doesn't make it right, but that's what they knew. Again, doesn't make it right. But all I'm saying is sometimes you've got to understand where people come from. Sometimes you've got to understand the, the viewpoint of certain people. Doesn't make their behavior, if it's negative behavior, right. But sometimes you just got to understand where people come from. And, and my whole thing with, with Michael Vick is, you know, he got caught up and he was doing stupid stuff. I mean, he bought property, had people staying in the property, fighting dogs on his property. I mean, just dumb stuff. That's just stupidity. And when you do stupid things like that, you almost deserve to get in trouble because that's dumb. Like, if you're going to dogfight, don't buy property and, and have people dogfight on your property and have, like, a little thing that you're doing on your property. That's stupid. But there, he got caught up. He was young, dumb, had a whole bunch of money, and thought, you know what, he could do whatever he wanted. He was immature, man. Some people get another opportunity Sometimes you get another opportunity when you're immature and you do immature, stupid things. Sometimes you don't. Fortunately for Michael Vick, he was able to get another chance. What, $100 million contract, $200 million contract, one with the Falcons and then later with the Eagles. So he was able to redeem himself, which is great. But it goes back to the point I just don't want to throw people away. It's, It's too easy to do. We could throw a lot of people away. We can just say they did bad, they did harm, get out of here. No second chance for you. And I think, and part of the thing with Ray Rice, I mean, his production did slip. And there's no getting around that. He did have a little slip in production. And I think if his production was a little better, he probably would be back. The video hurts. Don't get me wrong, the video hurts. But if he, if he produced, I mean, because you look at it, 
He had four straight seasons from 2009 to 2012 of over 1,000 yards, including over four yards per carry. 2013, his last year in the NFL, 660 yards. You know, wasn't the same guy. Maybe a little slippage. Maybe a little slippage at that point for uh, Ray Rice. But I, I, I'm like I'm saying all that, but I'm saying at the because the reason Greg Hardy got another chance because Greg Hardy was a ten sack type guy. He was a double digit sack guy. In a passing league, you need a guy who can get after the quarterback. That's why Greg Hardy got a second chance because he still could ball out. He still could ball out. But last year didn't help Craig Hardy. I mean, he was a mess. You know, just the, the sideline antics. But a guy who didn't show any type of just, I mean, like, dude, just so some kind of compassion, so some type of contrition. So, you know, so, so show me something. I mean, like, you can't, you, he couldn't even fake it. I mean, dude, like, if you want to continue to play, you got to play by the rules, and the rules is, man, you got to act like you're sorry. Maybe you're not. Maybe you felt like you didn't do anything wrong, but you got to at least act like it. He couldn't do it. But you look at Greg Hardy. You know he was 11 and 11 sacks in 2012, 15 sacks in 2013, and then only played that one game because of the incident. Then he came back with the Cowboys last year. He had six sacks, six sacks in 12 games. Not awful. But when you have all those other things going on with you, when you're acting a fool on the sidelines and ranting and raving, acting like a crazy man and being a distraction, guess what? You're going to have a hard time getting another job because you've got a strike against you. And so now, with the strike against him, with that strike against him, he's worked out with the Jaguars the other day. But at this point, it seems like they're not really going to sign him. So, and I'm not advocating Greg Hardy get another chance. I mean, if you feel like he can play, give him another chance. That's up to you. Ray Rice, like I said before, it's time. It's time. And again, to me, this is more about production than probably what happened on that video. Because Greg Hardy is, is, is evidence that, you know, it doesn't matter what you see in, in pictures. You get another opportunity if teams feel like you can ball out. And that's just the way it goes. Now, let's go to the NBA now. NBA made, made a, a, a decision that seemingly was in the works. They decided to take the All-Star game out of Charlotte, and now they're going to move it to another place. We don't know what that place could be. Could be Chicago. Could be uh, could be uh, could be uh, New York. It could be New Orleans. So it, it could be some places. We don't know what it's going to be at this point. But the NFL, the NBA, has decided that's not going to be in Charlotte. And they did they did open the door for the possibility that it could be in Charlotte in 2019. So they're, they're not completely getting rid, you know, knocking Charlotte completely off the list because they're giving them, a, giving them a chance in 2019 to probably and possibly get it right. But here's, here's kind of my problem with it. 
Um, you know, obviously, you know, in, in Charlotte, that North Carolina area, you're, you're in the Bible Belt. That's a Bible Belt area. And, and so, first and foremost, they're going to be conservative. So whether you hate, love the bill, you know, the people in that particular state, you know, it's going to be a, there's a lot of conservative people who are who uh, who are who are for the HB two bill. Now, I, I'm not going to get into hate it or love it that particular law, but here's my thing. You look at the situation, and then you look at okay, the fans. The fans have known that the All Star Game is coming to Charlotte, and to me. The All-Star game is for the fans. They're for the fan base. The fan base didn't make the laws. They elect the people who make the laws, but they didn't make the laws personally. So they didn't do anything wrong. The fan base did nothing wrong. Nothing. Now, reality is, the NBA is a corporation, and, you know, they, they, they have sponsors and they have people, you know, sponsors that pay them. And so it's a business at the end of the day. And I guess as a bit from, a, from the business point of view, it made perfect sense for them to remove the game. But here's my thing. I'm like this. I understand why the NBA did it, but the fans had nothing to do with it. And, and to me, this is about the fans. This is for the fans. This is for your season ticket holders. This, this is for your fans of the Charlotte Hornets. And you said the game was going to be there, and you pulled it out. Here's, the, here's my thing, and, and I'll equate it to this. You know, it, let's just say you're, you're, you're friends with a racist on Facebook, right? And, and he's posting various racist things on his Facebook page. And my thing is this. And, and I'm friends with him as an African-American man. Just say I'm friends with him. He's a white man. I'm a black man, you know, but we're friends on Facebook. And he's, he's saying all these racist things on Facebook. And, you know, talking about various movements being this, that, and the third. I could easily just unfriend him and move on with my life. Or I can keep the friendship on Facebook, and every time he's, he's saying these different things, try to correct him, try to educate him on various things try to do various things to help him understand my point of view, to help him have a better understanding of the whole situation. Maybe he doesn't have an understanding of certain things. You know, sometimes people have certain beliefs because they don't know. It's ignorant. They don't know. And so here's my thing. If you feel like this law, this bill, HB2, is so bad, if you feel that way, if you're the NBA and you feel like this is a bad bill, this is bad for the people of, of North Carolina, well, guess what? Have the All-Star game there and, and, and have a push. Try to go out there and educate the public. Try to go out and do what you've got to do to educate the, the lawmaking bodies in, in North Carolina. You know, do what you've got to do to educate those people. So easy to just run and pull out and leave. It's another thing to sit there and try to educate people if you feel like their point of view is wrong. And so I say that to say, you know what, I think this is a bad move. I think you stay there if you're the NBA, and if you feel like this, is a, this bill is bad, 
You educate. You educate. Don't leave. Educate. Don't leave. Help people have a better understanding. And so, I got a problem with it. I don't like it. And and, to, and I know it's been done in the past with the, the NFL and the Super Bowl in Arizona back in the 90s where Arizona wouldn't recognize the Martin Luther King holiday. I get it. So there, there it is precedence for this type of thing. But my thing is this. I, I just feel like there's a better – I don't feel like you need to do it. I, I just don't feel like you needed to, to make this move. I just feel like there was there was something better to do. There was something better to do. And 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 again, this is about the fans. It's about the fans, man. At the end of the day, and I know you said you're going to come back in 2019, possibly, if the culture and everything is right. If everything is right, the laws are are, are right for you, and you're okay with the laws. But I here's here's my also here's here's also something I want to bring up. And I'm not saying the the, the All Star Game shouldn't be in New Orleans. I'm not saying that at all. But I think arguments can be made. Arguments can be made. If you look at what's going on in Louisiana with the whole Alton Sterling situation, again, we have to let the whole thing play out. But it doesn't look good. So my point is, if you move it to New Orleans, well, what about police brutality? What about that whole, the notion of police brutality in that whole situation? You just ignore that? I'm just asking. Because it's, it's, it's all, it becomes dangerous when we start picking and choosing what we feel is right and what we feel is wrong. It becomes dangerous when we start doing that. And it's easy to do it. But, I mean, it's dangerous. Because then we've we got to figure out what, so if this law is okay, but this law is not. Okay, that law is cool, but this law is not. We're all right with this law, but this law is not bad, not that bad. So it's like, okay, where do we draw the line, and what is what is what is the law that we feel like we need to advocate and stand up for? And and to me, it's a dangerous situation when, because now, if they let's just say they 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 decide, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stand up for this, which they did, but for this law right here, we're gonna let this ride out. We're good with this. This law stays. We this law is okay, even though it's questionable for some people. Even though some people might have a problem with it, that, that particular law, the NBA is gonna say we're cool with it. But this particular law, the HB two law, you're not cool with. And then you got you got. I know you had a, uh, you know you had other uh, cons. I know Bruce Springsteen didn't want to go to Charlotte. You got other people going not wanting to go to Charlotte as well. So my point is, where you know where do you draw the line? And you know. Where do you draw the line? I think it's, I don't agree with it. I know it's done. It is what it is at this point. But I don't agree with it. And I don't think the NBA made the right move here. And, again, it's so easy to run, but harder to try to educate, to try to, try to help those who don't understand. They just Maybe they just don't understand. You know, but now you got uh, one of the owners, co-owner of the Charlotte Hornets, Felix Sabates, and hopefully I'm saying his name right, but he was quoted as, you know, he's in the, 
uh, he was quoted as, uh, you know, he's ripping the move. He's blasting the NBA. And his quotes are, shame, quote, shame on those responsible for such a short-sighted decision to take the NBA All-Star away from Charlotte. I always thought this was a country that all peoples, not just a few, can determine our future. So, that's, I mean, it's just, I, I just don't feel like this was the right move. And, I, and maybe I'm in the minority here. And I know there's a few people who, maybe I'm in the minority here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off base. I don't think so. But maybe I am. But I just feel like this this wasn't the right move. It, it just wasn't. And I also feel like it's, it's a dangerous precedence because you pick and choose now, which laws are good for you and which laws are not good for you? And and I don't think the Governor McCory would have made this law if he didn't feel like there wasn't a segment of the population who didn't agree. And again, you can't, you're, you're hurting the wrong people. And I know, you know, this particular All-Star game had an opportunity to bring, what, close to $100 million into Charlotte. In terms of revenue, driven, uh, you know, generated from this, but I feel like, you know, this this it's the wrong move. But I, I also feel like the NBA opens themselves to criticism at this point because if you move it to Louisiana, somebody can make that argument. You move it to New York, somebody can make another argument. What about Eric Gardner? I'm just saying. There's 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 people can say something, no matter where you move it. People can say something. And so that's that's kind of my problem. Hate, love the ball. If you hate it or love the the particular law, I don't. That's not relevant to me at this point. What's relevant to me is I feel like the fans lose. The fans lose. The people of Charlotte lose. And you can't hold the fans accountable for something that you know. It's not like that. It's not like. This was put on a, a ballot and, the, and people voted. No, this was done by the you know the people you know and, and the lawmakers in in Charlotte and in, in North Carolina. This was done by them. So it becomes, from that standpoint, just becomes on some level just not fair. Just not fair. And it, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people who are who are for that particular bill. A lot of people can't. But it just becomes dangerous when we say, you know, this is what we feel like your state, your city should be doing. And if your city or state doesn't do what we feel like you should be doing, then guess what? We're pulling out. We're out. We're leaving. So we'll see how it turns out. Obviously, it's gone. And we'll see where it lands. We'll see where it lands. And you had a feeling that possibly this could happen. You had a feeling that this possibly could could happen, and, and it's happened. It's happening. It's happened. The All-Star game is gone for Charlotte. Let's go to Dennis Green now. Dennis Green died yesterday, 67 years old, cardiac arrest, complications from cardiac arrest. You know, Dennis Green was a, was a guy who had a lot of success in the NFL, a lot of success. I mean, what? Especially with the Vikings. In their 10 years, and they made the playoffs eight times. 
you know, and, and this was a team with the Minnesota Vikings, got to the NFC title game a couple times as well. But that was a team, especially that 98 team, with Randall Cunningham and Randy Moss and Chris Carter and those boys. That was a team, a big-time offense at the time, most points scored by an offense. That was a big-time offense. Could you imagine that offense in today's rules with Randy Moss at you know at his peak? It was a rookie Randy Moss, but he was a beast. But you look at it now, and, and, and Dennis Green had a lot of success in Minnesota, went to Arizona, didn't have as much success. And, you know, we see that video out there. You know, they thought they are who we thought they are. They were. They are who they who we thought they were. So, you know, a lot of people are, are putting up that video and, and showing that video and, and you know, the, you know, reminiscing about that video. But Dennis Green was a big-time coach, had a lot of success, especially with the Vikings. You know, but it was, it was, a, was a good coach in this league. And a couple plays here, a couple plays there, he could have been playing in the Super Bowl, who knows. Maybe that Viking team could have beat the Broncos. They had a better chance than the Falcons, but maybe they would have beat the Broncos that year. You know, John always a, a swan song, last game. But it, it, it's sad. I mean, it's, I was 67. It's, it's young. Not not very old at all. So it's, it's sad to see. But, you know, prayers out to Dennis Green and his family. And, you know, obviously it's a tough time. With them, and let's go back to the NBA. Let's go back to the NBA, and you know we talked about weed earlier in this show when it came to Le'Veon Bell, and you know, well this guy, I don't know if he's smoking weed, but based off of what he's saying, this dude might be smoking weed. And that's Derrick Rose from the New York Knicks. Derrick Rose now. Derrick Rose. First and foremost, he said that. He said that some people he said that some people have put New York in the same super team class as the Golden State Warriors. Wow. Wow. And he feels like the expectations are high for the Knicks this year. Um but what are you smoking, D Rose? What 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 are you what are you drinking, D Rose? I mean, whatever it is, you know, if it's you know, pass it. If it's legal, pass it. If it's juice, pass it. I mean, what are you what are you sipping on, man? Because this is crazy. Ain't nobody. I ain't heard nobody talk about the Knicks as a super team. Super team? Super team? The Knicks? D. Rose? I mean, maybe if he can go back to 2011 and, and, and get that, regain that 2011 form, that MVP form, who knows? Joe Kim Noah? If he can turn back the clock and, and go back to his best years, to, you know, the year where he was. You know, people talked about him in terms of MVP, you know, in the MVP conversation. If he can go back to the years where he was 12 and 11 and, you know, three, you know, three, what, how many, what? 
uh, almost a two blocks a game. Can you go back to that or the 2012 version of Joe Kim Noah or the 2011 Joe Kim Noah, the double-double Joe Kim Noah? Who knows? Maybe you can go back to that. But my goodness. We're <laughs> Derrick Rose. My man, it's good to be optimistic. You know, optimism is good. It, it, it's good to be positive. That's great. That's great. You know, it's good to have a good sense about things. It's good to be to, to to put positive things into the universe. But nobody is talking about the Knicks with the Golden State Warriors with with Clay Thompson, who's could be a top fifteen, top ten player. Steph Curry, top five player. Kevin Durant, top five player. Draymond Green, one of the better defenders, defending uh, power forwards in this game. One of the more versatile players in this game. I mean, Melo's big time. D Rose, I don't know what you are. I mean, because you've been banged up a little bit. You got a lot to prove. Joe Kim Noah has a lot to prove. And I'm not saying the Knicks didn't do a good job in this offseason. They're relevant. They have made themselves relevant. And it's been a long time since you could say that about the New York Knicks, but the moves they made in this offseason has made them relevant. They are relevant. But even though they're relevant, super teams, <laughs> Brandon Jennings, good signing. Courtney Lee, good signing. Derrick Rose trade, worth a, worth a chance. Who knows? Joe Kim Noah, a lot of money, but everybody got a lot of money. Everybody's money is a little crazy right now, but. Maybe he turns back the clock. Maybe he can, can regain his old form. I know he's been banged up over the years. You know, 31, but he's been banged up. Maybe he can regain something. But it's like, dude, you sound crazy. Ain't nobody, and let me repeat myself, ain't nobody talked about it as a super team. Nobody. And if you have, you're stupid. If you have, you're dumb. If you have, you've probably been been, been smoking that stuff that Le'Veon Bell might be smoking. Because you're way, 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 way off. Way off. <laughs> it's funny. You know, but hey, maybe D Rose knows something I don't. Could be possible. I don't know it all. I'm not God. I'm not God at all. So I can't tell you if, if D Rose is wrong. But I can make a very educated guess. And I'm making a very educated guess that while the Knicks could be better. This whole thing could fall apart. D. Rose hasn't been the pillar of health. Joe Kim Noah hasn't been the pillar of health. So this whole thing could just fall apart. 
Might be good, might be bad. Just like the Lakers, when the Lakers came together. Remember they had Steve Nash and, you know, Steve Nash and then Dwight Howard teamed him up with Kobe. And, you know, everybody was talking championship. Everybody was dancing in the streets. I danced in the streets a little bit too because I thought they were going to win. I didn't, I don't, I'm not a Lakers fan, but I guess I got caught up in the mix. I saw other people dancing, you know, happy about all those signings. I started to dance too and thought the Lakers could win the NBA title. Boy, was I wrong. Barely made the playoffs. But it could it could be that type of situation. Dwight Howard, you know, had the bulky back. You know, he played the year, whole year, but he wasn't the Dwight Howard we all knew and loved. Steve Nash, back was in right. And so he really didn't play much and really didn't contribute much. So it, it could be that whole situation. But maybe it won't. Maybe it will be a situation where where it all works out and, you know, there's happy days. Happy days. Oh, happy days in New York with the New York Knicks. It wouldn't be bad because it's always good when New York is good. That's good for the NBA. I wouldn't mind. So we'll see what happens. But D. Rose, stay away. They stay out of stay out of Colorado, because your your super team talk, a little crazy right now. But we're gonna we're gonna bring in a guy now. Um, super Bowl Fifty happened, came, went. Denver Broncos are Super Bowl champions. Now they're gonna try to defend it, and it's a lot easier. You know, it's hard to win. It's harder to do it again. And this guy is gonna be a part of whether or not they do it again. Darren Stewart. Let's bring him in now. This man is a Super Bowl champion right now. His team is Super Bowl champions. It's a great offseason off and a great time to be this man. Let's bring him in now, Broncos safety, Darian Stewart. Darian, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. All right, no problem. Let me, let's get right down to it. I mean, you, you got a big piece of your Super Bowl puzzle right now. Von Miller is back, a big part of your team. He got his money. He got paid. He had a big-time playoffs. He had a big-time Super Bowl. Put into words his impact on your defense. What does Von Miller mean to your defense? I mean, he means everything, man. That's our best pass rusher. And uh, he gets to the quarterback uh, very fast. I mean, it, shoot, he, he, got, he has the ability of a DB, man. And it's just, it's just great to play with him. Were you concerned a little bit that maybe he wouldn't come back? You had some concern at all? Uh, not at all, man. Uh, they'll be crazy not to uh, re-sign him, man. You're right. I mean, he balled out last season and was one of the Absolutely. reasons you guys won Super Bowl 50. Let, let me ask you this now, man. It's been about seven months since Super Bowl 50. Has it really sunk in, man, that you're a Super Bowl champion? Oh, yeah. Most definitely, man. It, I think it sunk in. Uh, shoot, right when we got back in the um, – you know, OTAs, man, and I saw that banner hanging up in the indoor facility. You know, it all sunk in right then. Let me ask you this, and, and, you know, a lot of people want to play in the Super Bowl. What's it like to play in a Super Bowl? It's an amazing experience, man, just, uh, you know, how we're treated when we go, um, how we go out there. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those um, – Moments, man, I think, you know, everyone 
uh, well, has, hasn't got a chance to um, experience, but, I mean, it's, it's a great experience. I mean, I'm just happy that I was one uh, one of the people just to get, you know, get that exposure. Was it what you expected? Was it different, better? No, nah, it was everything I expected, man. It was all okay. love out there, man, and uh, shoot, we were just ready to go, man. It was, it was a fun time. We're talking to Bronco safety, Darian Stewart. In, in, in that particular game, n- no one gave you guys a chance. No one. I picked against you as well. I didn't really see how you guys could, could shut down that Carolina Panther offense, and ultimately you did. But th- going into that game, how confident was were you and how confident was the team? Oh, man, we were super confident, man. You could tell uh, just how we, uh, you know, walked through the hotel, man. That's all we could think about. We were hungry, and uh, – we wanted it more, you know. Uh, everyone was doubting us, but uh, you know we used that as uh, motivation, and uh, you know it just helped us. Uh, you know, it it just added fuel to the fire, man. But we were definitely ready to go. You had a solid season last year. Your secondary, your defense, obviously had a solid season. You were playing with the, one of the best secondaries in the game, Harris, Talib, uh, Ward. I mean, you got one of the best secondaries in the game, Robry as well. End of the day, is this the best secondary in football? Without a doubt, man, without a doubt. The guys you just named, man, uh, three of them has Pro Bowl, um, has Pro Bowls under their belt, man. And, it's, it's, you know, you just add me, myself and Roby, and that's that's a lot of talent right there in one secondary. So, I mean, I think uh, that's as good as it gets. And I look back at your defense last season, I mean, in the playoffs, you beat Big Ben, you beat Brady, you beat Cam Newton. You're talking about three of the top ten quarterbacks in the National Football League. Your defense dominated, man. And, and actually, if you look at your defense, statistically it stacks up pretty well against some of the all-time great defenses, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens. How should history view the 2015 Broncos defense? I think uh, as number one, man, you uh... – you look at the categories uh, that we led through the whole season. Uh, shoot, we were number one, and I think it's at 19 of them. So it was 19, I think, out of 24. So I mean, I don't, I don't think any other team has done that. And you just look at our roster uh, on defense, man. We, hey, we, we have it. You know, and we got a lot of us coming back. So we're looking forward to doing the same stuff uh, this year. And the thing is about your defense. Here's why. I'm not going to say you're better than those 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, but here's what I will say. 2015, if you look at the rules and how the rules favor the offenses, you definitely have Absolutely. to give it up for your defense, for sure. Absolutely, man. When you have – it's a passing league. Uh, and when you have uh, three corners that can shut down receivers like that, man, it makes our job a lot easier. For sure. And you, have, sure. Pass, and you have pass rushers that can get to the quarterback – uh, like that, hey, it, it, it uh, makes our job a lot easier. For sure. We're talking to Broncos safety, Darian Stewart. And, and Darian, last season you signed a two-year deal with the Broncos. And, you know, obviously you had a decent year. And Did you expect an extension? Obviously it didn't happen. Were, but were you expecting something this offseason, contract-wise? Uh, yeah. You know, I hadn't even, um, you know, thought about it. I, I knew that I would have to play these two years out, you know, okay. uh, before that happened. Uh, but, you know, that's something 
I got to put in this work this year, and I, that, and that's something I'm looking forward to, and uh, that's really going to solidify where I, uh, where I'm at, you know. For sure, for sure, because the, the reality of it is, if you ball out this season, there's going to be a lot of money for you to be made. It, it, does that add any extra pressure being on a contract year? Nah, it, I don't think so. Uh, shoot, I just been putting the work in, man. Just making sure my body's right you know, uh, for this long season. But um, I don't think it's any pressure at all, man. It's just football at the end of the day, man. It's something I've been doing since I was uh, a young cat. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. It's, I, I don't feel any pressure at all. Now, coming into the next season, obviously, and training camp's about a week away, but the, the quarterback situation's slightly unsettled. Sanchez, Paxton Lynch. I mean, how do you feel about the quarterback's uh, situation as you go into training camp. I trust our uh, coaches, man, that they're gonna pick the uh, the right guy to lead the team. But uh, you know, whoever uh, you know they choose, man, you know we're rocking with them a hundred percent. And you know, I don't think um, you know I don't think uh, the team minds whoever they choose either. And, and, go, and, and just going back to uh, last season for a moment, and, and just kind of looking at the way your offense played in those playoffs and even in the Super Bowl. And, and this is not a knock on the offense, but did you guys know that you had to really go out there and, and put on a big-time performance in order for your team to win a Super Bowl? I mean, yeah, we, uh, you know, we knew that, that it was going to come down to that, man. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we really – our opponent is the opposing defense, man. We just try to outplay that defense. We knew that that defense was, was one of the tops in the league. And it was uh, one of those things where we just wanted to be the best defense on the field. It's like we've been all year long. And you, most guys most definitely were the best defense on the field, the best defense uh, during the 2015 season. Let me ask you this now. As you enter next season, obviously, you know, it, it, you won a Super Bowl, and that's hard. Winning and, and repeating right. and doing it again is going to be even harder. You know, people Absolutely. got paid. Sometimes people get a little less hungry, so on and so forth. How do you avoid the Super Bowl hangover? Oh, uh, man, you know, uh, uh, one thing that uh, people don't know about us, man, that we're really, uh, you know, close uh, on and off the field. And, you know, we play for one another. And I think uh, that right there just, um, you know, motivates us to go out there and just play for each other, man, and everything's going to take care of itself. I love playing with these boys, man, and uh, – I think that um, uh, that togetherness that we have is uh, is a big part and a reason why we were able to do all the great things uh, last year. On paper, do you feel like this team is better, worse than the team last season? Um, I think we're still better, man. I still think we have all the talent, all the pieces in place, you know. And once we get our quarterback situation right, man, I think uh, our quarterback will be able to get us to where we need to be. We're talking to Broncos safety, Darian Stewart. And Darian, obviously next season the goal for the team is to win a championship. That's your goal as well. But what are some of your personal goals as you go into next season? Man, all pro and pro bowl. That's what, that's what I work for, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm not big. I don't care too much for the fame, man. I just, you know, I just want to play football at the end of the day and, uh, you know, get that recognition I do deserve. For sure. Now, let me ask you this, man. I was reading an article about you there 
and, and, and I heard that you have some hoop dreams, and I, I'm looking at the NBA this offseason. There's a lot of dudes who got a lot of money <laughs> this offseason, a whole lot of money. After yes, seeing sir. those contracts, did you make the right decision? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, if I was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, you know, I'd definitely been on the court. But uh, a little height advantage right there, so I, I, I made the right decision, I think. You sure? A lot of money, man. Yeah, it is. I know. It hurt to see that, too. It really did. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I'm definitely, uh, you know, happy with the decision I made, man. And when you think about the NBA, man, it's, you only uh, there's only two rounds in the draft, man. And after that, That's it's true. free agency. So, uh, and it's only 15 roster spots. No so doubt. You, no never, doubt, you really never know. That's a little lot of, a lot of dudes with marginal talent who got a lot of money, man. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. What, what kind of basketball player were you, man? Obviously, you, you're under six foot. So were you were you a scoring point guard? Were you a point guard? I mean, what, what were you? I was a uh, point guard, man. I was scoring point guard. I was explosive. Uh, I had a nice uh, nice jumper at the time, too, man. Um, yeah, I was pretty explosive getting to the rack. I might dunk on you if I catch you slipping. <laughs> Who do you compare yourself to that's in the NBA now? Uh, D. Rose, man. I thought we were uh, similar in how explosive he was just getting to the rack. You know, and, uh, yeah, I definitely – he was just a lot taller than me at uh, at the time. You see D. Rose uh, returning to form this year with the Knicks, next year with the Knicks? Uh, without a doubt, man. You know, sometimes I think uh, the best thing for a player, man, who has a lot of injuries, because uh, I went through it, is just getting a, a change of scenery. So I really – you know, that's – I like D. Rose's game, and I think he can, uh, you know, he can do something special this year. He can come back into his, uh, old, his old form. Who's your NBA team? Who's my NBA team? Man, yeah, back, uh, you know, I have certain players, man, that I uh, really admire. Um, I really don't have a team, but I'm a, I'm a big D. Rose fan. Um, you know, I like, I like all the uh, solid point guards like Russell. And uh, even Kyrie, I, I like a lot of them, man. It's it's a lot of players I really uh, enjoy watching. There's there's not a team that you run that you ride with. Nah, man, I'm uh, I jump on the bandwagon. I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a, you're a Cavaliers fan? Uh, yeah, I was actually going for him, man. This go around, man. I wanted them, boy. I wanted Bron to bring one back to Cleveland, man. So. I did enjoy that, uh, watching him win that ring. So let me ask you this now. I mean, you, you came into the league undrafted free agent. You, you came this far. Did you see yourself coming this far, making it this far? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, man. Uh, that's, it's always been a dream, man. And, uh, you know, I still think I got a lot of football left in me. And, uh, shoot, I'm going to ride this thing out, man, and make them kick me out. <laughs> For sure, man, for sure. And, and obviously, looking back on it, signing with the Denver Broncos was a great decision. What is it about this defense that fits what you do? I mean, it allows you not to think so much. Uh, I think it allows you just to go out there and play. Coach, uh, okay. Coach, Wade, Coach Wade does a lot of uh, great things with the defense, man. And I think uh, we have the best DB coaches uh, in the league, without a doubt. Uh, they do a good job at preparing us. 
uh, week in and week out and knowing what to look for. And then we have a, a hell of a secondary that um, that communicates, and that's always the key. So let me ask you this now. You, you've been inducted into the Huntsville Hall of Fame. You're from Huntsville, Alabama. What, what does yeah. that mean to you, man? That means a lot, man. It's a, a, uh, I mean, my city loves me, and it's always good to be loved in your hometown. And just it's just an honor to be inducted. Uh, well, I really wasn't inducted, but uh, one of my coaches told me uh, all I got to do is get to the age of 40, and then I'd be inducted. So, uh, okay. you know, uh, they were just really honoring me uh, for the uh, Super Bowl, and that was a major accomplishment just being one of the first people to um, – you know, to bring one back to the city, you know, and that was pretty big. And, uh, you know, I'm just honored that they uh, that they recognized me for that. Now, when you get the ring, man, what are you going to do with it? I got the ring. Oh, uh, you got it, you got it. Yeah, yeah, I got the ring, man. It's You know, it's chilling, man. I'm going to have to put it up uh, real soon. It's in a safe right now. Okay, okay, so you're not going to wear it? Yeah, special occasions, man. I can't, I can't wear it out here. I stay, I live in Charlotte in the off season, man. I got a bunch of people on my head right now. <laughs> so how is it, man? So did you have to stay in the house? I mean, you, you know, you're in enemy territory. No, nah, not at all. I don't stay in the house, man. But like I said, I only wear it for special occasions <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it was weird. I uh, went to a wedding a, while, uh, a couple of weeks back, man. One of my good friends got married, and uh, we had a bunch of Carolina Panthers fans there. It was just uh, funny wearing it around them boys. It was, it was pretty cool, though. It felt good. <laughs> now, <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing some big things with the Stewart Standout Foundation. Tell us about it. Oh, uh, man, it's just, uh, you know, giving the ch- uh, kids a chance, man, just um, – you know, giving them hope, man, inspiring them to be, uh, you know, uh, being the best them that they can be. And, you know, um, I do a camp every year uh, back in my hometown and, uh, you know, just to show the kids love and, uh, and just, like I said, keep inspiring them to, uh, that, to be great and, and just keep telling them, man, they, you know, they have to work for uh, for everything, man. You know, nothing's going to be given to them, man, and just – Inspire, just keep inspiring them as much as I can. For sure, man, and you're a big-time inspiration. You made it out of Huntsville, Alabama, all the way to the National Football League. So, fans, make sure you go to the website, stewartstandouts.org. Report all the great things going on with Darian Stewart. Also hit this man up on Twitter at DarianStewart26. And, again, as always, support all the great things going on with Darian Stewart. Darian, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing yes, but sir. the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. All right, thank you. Yes, sir, most definitely. Darian Stewart, pleasure talking to him. And, again, you know, the Broncos are looking to defend their title. We'll see if they can do it. They got some questions at the quarterback position. I mean, some serious questions. I mean, Mark Sanchez, that's not a good look, and that's not, a, that's not something you get happy about. Got Trevor Simeon. We'll see what he is, seventh-round pick. And, of course, Paxton Lynch. But according to reports, he's a little behind. So we'll see what what happens with the Denver Broncos. But that defense is big time, and we'll see if that can translate to something. We're about to bring in a guy now. He's doing some big things right now. Ballers out there 
on HBO. I mean, a lot of people are talking about it. People are loving it, you know, and then it's, the NFL's not, according to some reports, but everybody else is loving it. We're going to bring in a guy who's a big part of that. Let's bring him in now. Actor, Omar Benson Miller. Omar. Yeah, yeah. What up? How are you? Man, life is good. I'm here. I'm listening to the, to that radio talk. Y'all talking about the Broncos. Yeah, Mark Sanchez ain't the best look. This ain't, uh, this ain't 2004 at SC, <laughs> so that he ain't necessarily the best look the Broncos got going. I'm, uh, and I'm happy about that because I'm a Raiders fan. So I'm happy okay. that they got that, that, that dude behind the ball so uh, so we can put some pressure on him so Khalil Mack can sack him at his leisure. And, and maybe the Raiders can finally get it right. I mean, you want to talk about a, a franchise that can't get right. You're talking about the Oakland Raiders, man. They can't get right. They can't get right. You know what I think happens is I think that because you're seeing a similar situation with the Lakers right now. I think that when an organization has such a clear-cut uh, leader, like how Al Davis was, or how Dr. Buss was with the Lakers, and then it goes to their children or to somebody else who doesn't have that same sort of, they're trying to fill those shoes. I think that what happens is it takes a long time for the proper leadership to make itself clear so that you can make the right moves. But it, it was it was pretty bad, though, when, when, when Al Davis was there near the end of his life. It, was, it wasn't that great either. That's not necessarily true. You remember when Hugh Jackson had them, Hugh Jackson had him rocking and rolling, and then everybody got hurt. Hugh Jackson had him, I think, six and two that one year uh, when when literally everybody got hurt, and they tried to bring back Carson Palmer, and they tried to bring back uh, all kind of dudes. But um, Napoleon got hurt. A bunch of dudes got hurt, and then next thing you know, the, they fell apart, and that's when Mark Davis took over, and then after that, it's all been all downhill. I personally think you just have to stick with one coach and a scheme and build around it because they've had, what, five head coaches in the past five years or something it's, crazy like it's that? Been it's been bad. It's been bad in Oakland. But, you know, maybe they got their quarterback, man. And if you got a quarterback in the NFL, that goes a long, long way. So maybe Derek Carr is the guy. Maybe. I think Derek Those Carr people. is the guy, and I think that Khalil Mack is the guy to, to head the defense. And I believe that Amari Cooper is as good as anybody or will be as good as anybody in the league, uh, you know, given the right time. For sure. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's. I think the Oakland Raiders are trending upward. We'll see how far upward they can actually go. Let me ask you this: Could Charles Green block Khalil Mack? Oh man, you know Charles Green's a black swan. Charles Green can <laughs> block anybody that they bring out. You know, I think. Uh, I think one thing that you see about my character on the show is that he's revered in the league, and the fact that he he's so uh, uh, respected makes it all the more tragic when you see all of the stuff that he struggles to go through at home. For sure. Let me let me ask you this now. Charles Green, you know, he, he it came out. It seemed like there's something's going to be different with with his role with the Dolphins this year, as we saw near the end of episode one. It's, Charles seemed a little confused about some things. Overall, what's the deal with Charles Green? Well, you know what? He's just a good guy trying to find his place in the world inside of what he loves, which is the passion that he has for NFL football. And I believe that, I, you know, I'm blessed with the opportunity to portray such a, a serious side of the, of the NFL experience because a lot of guys are stuck out there in the wilderness at such a young age. To get to that level, you've been so singularly focused on this for decades. And then the average time that you play to make the money that's supposed to last you for the rest of your life and to be the person that you're supposed to be is less than three years. 
And then what? Then what do you do? And that's the question that this, this show is, is posing through Charles Green. So I think he's just trying to find his way. We just had a baby. Uh, now he's trying to figure out how does he go about being an NFL player when he's away a lot of the time, but he's supposed to be with his wife and his kids. He's a lot to juggle. For sure. And, and let me ask you this, man. You know, just playing this role with Charles Green, did, did it give you a greater appreciation for what NFL players go through? You know what? I never really underappreciated what they go through. Being okay. an actor and being under the microscope of celebrity, it, it was there's a there's a brotherhood of recognition there. Whenever people recognize someone, and what happens in that is a very dangerous, tricky situation because you try living your life under constant scrutiny, and it's everything amplified that you do. And there's a great chance that you're going to let some people down, especially if you're in your 20s and you got a few million dollars. So I, I've always had a bit of a, a bit of leeway for these guys, but at the same time, you know, you got to make good decisions, and it's hard. It's hard in life, and, and it's hard Challenge. for us to. It's hard for us to expect a twenty-some-odd-year-old guy who sometimes may have came from nothing to and, and finally get some money. It's hard for us to expect them to act right. I mean, money makes us do some 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 bad things sometimes. Well, ultimately, what happens is, is you have access. And when you have access, that changes the whole game. You know, whether you have access to, to more temptation as far as women or you have access to more temptation as far as drugs or travel, whatever it is, you have more access than the standard Joe. And what that does is it, it puts your morals to the test even more. I actually don't think it's hard to ask uh, to, for people that because ultimately with the way that the generation is set up now with technology and everything, Everybody can sit behind the comment section of the Internet and talk crazy about anyone. And sure. it's, it's unfortunate because people ask for other people to live to a standard that they don't ask themselves to live to. There's a, a, a giant hypocrisy in society now, in my opinion. For sure. I mean, I think if anybody really, really looked at it and sat down and thought about it and, and, and figured out how they would act with money in their pocket at the age of 20, 23, 24 years old, they would really, really get an understanding. I mean, sometimes people just act like, you know, they, they've yeah. arrived already. They act like they arrived. But the thing, is, is that, the thing is, is that there's a, there's a fantasy involved with it so that you can always disassociate yourself with the what if. And until that fantasy goes away, which would mean that you would have to be the one making a few million dollars and being young and so on and so forth, you can always just disassociate and say, oh, I would have, I would, you know. And you come to find, sure. actually, you don't know what you would do until you get in the spot. And that's why I always feel like you should never ask anybody what they would do in a particular situation because they're they're telling you what they hope they would do in a particular situation, not necessarily what they would actually do. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. We're talking to one of the stars of Ballers actor, Omar Benson Miller. And, and, and Omar, let me ask you this now, now, man. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, the executive producer of Ballers, said that Roger Goodell – and the NFL asked him to pull out the show. You know, get rid of the show. Don't do the show. Your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, in the interest of self-preservation, I think it's a bad idea to get rid of the show. <laughs> but I think that, uh, you know, I think I wish the NFL would embrace it. I talked about it on my podcast, actually. I got a sports podcast that I do called The Ozone, okay. Unfair and Partial Sports. And we talked about it because I think that, the NFL has symposiums for rookies, and they have panels for, for veterans trying to transition into daily life. And I believe that what they're trying, what, what 
they could use this show as a tool because of the massive interest in the show from the players in the league. Right. For sure. That's what I think. And, and the thing about it is, look, Rashard Mendenhall, he's one of the writers, former NFL player. He's one of the writers for the show. There you go. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with a certain level of authenticity off the top. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but if you're, you know, smart enough to look between the lines, we say a lot of truth and jest. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and the reality is, I mean, let, let's be real. I mean, there is a dark side to everything. You know, there's a dark side this to everything. This is just the reality of the this is the reality of the of life of the world. And right. you, and and Roger Goodell and at the behest of the owner, in my opinion, is trying to make the league look a little bit like something that it's not. And it no, is I not, mean, you know, I, I think that the league and the game itself bring about a certain amount of aggression, and it's hard. It's it's a lot. It's a big ask to ask a guy to be a straight savage for, you know, 17, 18% of his life, and then the other 80% to just be a, a, a schoolboy, choir boy, you know? Not to play devil's advocate, and I, and I agree with you, but, I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but we all have to act for a period of time. I mean, none of us act the way we do at our job than we do at home or, you know, or, or when we are with our boys or anything. We all act different. We all have to put on an act. We're all acting. Well, that's, I don't think that's an act. I think that's professionalism. And these guys are, put, are being professional. They're not putting it on. When they play the game, they're being professional. Yet, at the same time, they have their own free time. The league doesn't own them as people. The league, it gets the sanction and own what they do in between the lines. True. So I think that there's a, you know, you can always play that devil's advocate if you like, but I don't think there's anything productive that comes from it. Because the reality of the situation is what it is. Otherwise, you just you know you're just trying to to to, to make the, the the controversy of it. And I personally don't think that. I think that you have to look at things from a realistic perspective. And what we've right. seen is that the league is is diverse in its uh, behavior from all the different guys. But one behavior is consistent, and that's aggression. And that if they don't find ways to channel that, or find ways to show the guys how to channel that, other than just during the game, they're going to have a lot of these you know. Uh, undesirable headlines that they get. Let, let me ask you this now. I mean, you're an actor. Is it hard not to be Charles Green off the set? No. But okay. my job doesn't isn't necessarily uh, as inclusive as, say, a, a, a football player. I don't, have to, I don't have to do something that's physically demanding a life-or-death situation right. for my job. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of under a different – and I am knowingly playing make-believe. I'm a, I am knowingly observing and recreating certain behaviors. For sure, for sure. So, so let me ask you this, and, you know, just watching the show and just looking at social media and, and, and hear, you know, how people are talking about the show. I mean, it seems like the streets are talking, and the streets are talking very good about the show. They're saying some very good things about the show. But what, what, what are you hearing? What, what, what's your impression? Are the streets loving ballers? Well, I mean, everywhere I go around the world, people asking me about it, but I'm biased. So when they see me and they know I'm on the show, they might say whatever they want to say just to get a picture. And that's, that's a different, you know, it's a little different animal. But in my situation, it seems like the show is very well received. And uh, when your only complaint is that people wish it was longer, I think you're doing something right. Yeah, you know what? After, you know, I watched it on Sunday and it's like, it's like it's over already. It's done. It's like it seems like it should be more. Then there is more next Sunday, ten o'clock. Oh boy! 
<laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> you are so right there. <laughs> we got nine. We got nine more for you. Okay. All right. All right. So you know, I'll be there. I'll be watching definitely on Sunday night. So now you know the show's doing some big time things, and you, you got some NFL players on the show. I mean, and Dominican Two was there uh, last week. Who else is going to be on throughout the course of this season? Who should we expect? Uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of cameos, man. We got everybody from Julian Edelman to uh, uh, we got the 49ers over there. We got uh, Bowman Navarro. We got all kind of dudes, and then we we also have a couple marquee coaches on there that we will show be revealed when you see the show. I mean, I, our show is big on uh, it, the secrecy of the show and the spontaneity of it is a big portion of it. So I can only give up but so much. For sure. Now, now that fight scene with the with Dwayne Johnson and Terrell Suggs, were you on set for that? No. Okay. All right. Seemed like a pretty good fight scene there, man. Hey, just tell them. <laughs> I don't think I don't think either one of them are strangers to mixing it up. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Let, let me ask you this now. You know, watching the show, there's a lot of girls on there, and and, and the girls don't always have clothes on. <laughs> how how is it, man, being on set with that? Listen, there's a lot of dudes on there, and the dudes don't always have clothes on. <laughs> I think we got uh, equal opportunity nudity on our show, and and uh, you know it's it's representative of Miami. And if you if you ever spent a lot of time in South Florida, people don't have many clothes on. So I'm a professional. I, I keep my hands to myself, and and it's good to be around so much beauty. For sure, for sure, you're a lucky man. <laughs> I'm blessed. Paul, <laughs> well, I appreciate you, man. I got to jump. I, I actually got to go in and, and, and get my, my points together for my podcast, brother. Right. I hope you tune right, in man. to me. For sure, for sure. I got to be on. You got to let me on one of these things. Yo, I'll get in contact with you, man. I'd like to, see, to to hear your take on quite a few things. You know, there's a, I don't know how you are in fighting, but there's a big big boxing match coming up tomorrow night with uh, yeah, Victor yeah. Pistol and Terrence Crawford. I'm really looking that's, forward that's, to that. That's going to be a good fight, man. I mean, that's a really good fight. I wish it wasn't on paper. That's a really good fight. Yeah, that's me too. Really me too. That's a really good fight. I mean, you're talking and about also, two dudes. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you have Postel who stopped Matisse. I mean, you know, uh, stopped him in the 10th. And then you got Crawford, who many believe could be a pound-for-pound pound top guy moving forward, man. So, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to that fight. I mean, a lot of people are thinking Crawford, but, I mean, Postel is tough. He's a tough dude. He's a tough dude, and the, and Terrence Crawford's strength is that he's able to adjust in fight. He's going to have to adjust um, against Victor to to get where he needs to go. I'm there's a lot of stuff to talk about, man. I'm going to get a hold of you and get you on the ozone because yeah, you, yeah sure. I feel like you got. I feel like I can rely on your information. A lot of people act like they know sports, but they don't really watch. Yeah, man, I, I'm 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 a big boxing dude. I, I was I saw you were talking about Deontay Wilder on your Twitter feed, man. I watched that fight. I mean, and Ariel is done. I mean, he's. You know, he is who he is. refused to get in shape, so he was done before he started. I hope he got some good money and that he can live his life in peace. Um, but at the same time, I think the champ, you can't go eight, nine rounds with dudes like that. But then when you see he tore his bicep tendon and his, he broke his hand, it helps you understand. And he was still able to make him submit and get out of there, get him out of For there. Sure. But I think when there's a, there's a handful of elite dudes, you're not going to be able you can't you can't learn in the ring with those guys. For sure, I would love to see Joshua and Wilder at some point. I would love to see that. I need. I think. I think Anthony Joshua needs more work as well. But I, that's a good fight. 
It's too stud. And I would, and I want to see Pacquiao and Broner, but I don't think that's happening. Man, Broner got to get out the pokey. <laughs> you can't fight when uh, you can't make big money when you're in jail. I know you got to go. Before we get out of here, let me just ask you about that. I mean, this dude didn't show up to a hearing. He showed up to a hearing three hours late, and the charges were about to be dismissed. They were saying that the charges were going to be dismissed, and this dude didn't show up. He showed up three hours later. Three hours later. I mean, how stupid can you be? Three hours later, and he was drunk. And he was drunk and and or hungover. I tell you, I talk about it on the podcast. I believe it's a cry for help, and everybody's laughing at his antics and whatnot. And I think that I think that as a person, he's got some serious things to work on, and I pray for the young man, to be honest. Yeah, me too. I mean, I feel bad for him, but he has a lot of talent. But, I mean, he's got to get it right. Got to get right. <laughs> Can't get right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. All right, well, I catch you too, right, brother. Take care. Right, stay up. Omar Benson Miller. Pleasure talking to him. Ballers, make sure you check it out. Sunday, nine. Oh, excuse me, ten p.m. Eastern on HBO. Ballers, balling, ballers. So make sure you check it out. I just like saying that. <laughs> excuse me, I just like yelling that. I'm sorry. I just like yelling at ballers. So another few minutes left. And, and he talked about it. I mean, it's a big fight tomorrow. And a lot of people don't know it. It's on pay-per-view. Postel, Crawford, and, and Postel and Crawford. I mean, you're talking about two very good welter, junior welterweight. This is a, you know, it's a, it's a, a match to unify, you know, to, to some belts on the line. And, and this is a big fight. I mean, this is a big fight for Terrence Crawford. And this is a fight that is not going to be a gimmick. I mean, we've been, we've been talking about Terrence Crawford as a pound-for-pound dude. But we'll see what that pound for pound means. We'll, we'll, we'll see what that's going to, you know, if, if he can live up to that. That's going to be a great fight. And I, I, I'm i going to go with Crawford because I think he's special. I think he has something. But we'll see what happens. Should be fun, man. Should be a whole lot of fun. Let's talk about Adrian Broner. I mean, come on, dude. Three hours late to a hearing where your charges were about to get dismissed? Three hours late to a hearing and your charges were about to be dismissed? You were about to move on with your life? You know, I mean, you were being charged with a felony, man. There's there's a good opportunity that you could have done some serious time. And there's an opportunity for you to get your charges dismissed? And you show up not one hour late, not two hours late, three hours. Man, that's dumb. That's stupid. Now, I don't want to knock the guy. Because, I, you know, everybody, like I said earlier in the show, I don't like throwing people away. Ray Rice deserves a second chance. I don't want to throw him away, but we're so quick to throw him away. I don't want to do that. So quick to throw people away. I ain't doing it, man. I ain't doing it. So, with that being said, Adrian Broner can get right. He has an opportunity. He's young. You know, he's young. So, he can get this right. He can get this thing right. And I'm hoping that this will be his opportunity to get this. This will be his wake-up call. Dude, first of all, 
first of all, you know, you're you're you're, you're putting toxins in your, toxins in your body, man. You're in a fight business. You want to keep that. Your body is 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 what helps you make your money. That's your temple, man. And you don't want to put bad things in your temple. You know, you you you're burning the candles from the you know and and out all night and drinking and things of that nature, knowing you got a hearing the next day, knowing that you could be, you know, on with your life and, 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 and you know, just move forward. Dude, you're talented. <coughs> Excuse me. Dude, people like you. Uh, well, they like you and they hate you, which is a great thing. A lot of people like you and a lot of people hate you, which is a great thing. You know why it's a great thing? Because that means people will come out to watch you hate you or love you, they'll come out to write you. Like, uh, I'm looking at Instagram and it says, write me. I said, they'll come out to watch you. But anyway, you know, they, they, you can't write Adrian Broner. He's on his Instagram page. He put it out there for you to, to, to write him. So let me give you the address. He is number 1604837. Adrian Broner is number 1604837, 900 Sycamore, Cincinnati, Ohio. So write Adrian Broner, show him some love during his time behind bars, and hey, maybe, just maybe, this will be his wake-up call. Maybe this will be the thing that turns him around, moves him forward, and helps him become a better person. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm praying for him. I'm, I'm going to put a prayer in the air for Adrian Broner with the hope that that can help Adrian Broner move forward and become a better man. I want to thank Omar Benson Miller for stopping by. Make sure you check him out on Ballers! 10 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern on HBO. Also, I want to thank Darian Stewart for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash PK. Where you can listen to this show and other great shows, follow us on Twitter at go for it Game. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great night. See you later. Take care. <laughs>